Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined here with Pastor Lydia, co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today, we're here to have a conversation about what really brought us here to New York City. And so, like for many of us, like myself, I was born and raised here, and so I didn't have a choice. But a lot of us are drawn to the city <laughs> because there's a certain allure to the opportunities, the name brands, the success, the the things that offer what we think, quote unquote, will give us more life. Um, and whether we like to admit it or not, there's a little bit of ambition seated in our hearts that brings us here. And, you know, before we know it, this ambition can lead us astray. And I think one of the dark things about it that Dr. Sammy talks about is that there's a cost to some of the things that we set out for. And, you know, when we look back at it, sometimes it might hurt ourselves and even the people around us. And I guess that really begs the question of whether that's really worth it for us at the end. And so to really examine our hearts and to really talk about this, Dr. Sammy introduces that there is a little bit of us that needs to be examined in order to know why we do the things we do. And at the end of the day, what is it all for? And so here's an invitation for us to really sit down and think about the dark aspects of our ambitions. So here's Dr. Sammy. Uh, The scripture today comes from Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 27. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. 
For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And that is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So in 2010, my wife and I, and our oldest son, Nathan, he was, I think, five then, no, actually three. And um, so here's Cape Town, South Africa, as a picture. If you haven't visited Cape Town, next vacation, do it. It's worth it. Can you afford it? Get Sapphire. You know, you'd be fine. <laughs> but uh, Cape Town's one of the most beautiful uh, cities in the world. There, there's a a confluence of a European influence, uh, well as the Caribbean. You, there's mountains and there's oceans and there's lagoons and beaches. It's a beautiful place. And I remember I was there for about, you know, about a month attending a leaders convention with Luzon Congress where they gathered Christian leaders together to talk about the next 20 years of Christendom in the world. And I remember just driving by all the beauty. And, and I remember talking to my taxi. I said, how do, you, how do you live here and work? I mean, it's so beautiful. And then the cab driver says to me, every day I took a cab to the convention, and he was like, well, where do you live? Well, thanks for asking. New York. And the cab driver says, take me with you. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I mean, don't you, why would you want to live in New York? A concrete jungle. We're depressed all the time. He's like, because it's New York, the bright lights. I much rather. He goes, I will give you my cab if you take me to New York. I'm like, no thanks. But I mean, the, the whole idea of the concrete jungle, where you go to school and where you work and why you're here, this whole idea called New York, a city so awesome, we say twice, has a seductive power to it. Now, question why you're all here today and why your parents came here is because, well, they're ambitious. Tell someone next to you, you're pretty ambitious. Yeah, well, no, I'm, and, and then some of you will go, oh, I'm not. And you'll, be, you'll play innocent. I'm from a small town. Well, that's what New York is. All, small towns everywhere trying to be the best, trying to be the goat. The greatest of all time. That's why people come to New York. People come to New York, and you don't need to lie about it. We stab you right in the front, not like LA from the back. <laughs> we take what we want right in front of you. And you can be honest about that. You're here because you're ambitious. You want more to life. You want to be the best because the best are here. And so we take the idea of success, the paradigm of success and power and influence to an extreme and we respect these institutions like the Times and the Salzburger family that's been, you know, the published for the Times for years and years and end and in the Wall Street Journal, you know, Columbia, NYU, these enduring institutions. 
the Met, um, there are all these institutions in New York that say there's a legacy and there's a power and influence to it. When I think of New York, I don't know why this is, but I couldn't get this song out of my mind from 1989, the great cultural theologian Taylor Swift, when she says, welcome to New York. And she says, walking through the crowd, <laughs> the village is aglow, kaleidoscope of loud heartbeats, undercoats. Everybody here wanted something more, searching for a sound we haven't heard before. And I said, welcome to New York. It's been waiting for you. Welcome to New York. Right? And I just saw myself in the middle of the street singing it. Yeah, you're here because you wanted something more. Now, to define what that more is, well, you think implicitly and viscerally, you think you know what that is. And if not careful, it could consume you. Or what Jay-Z says in Empire State of Mind, came here for school, graduated to the high life, ball players, rap stars, addicted to the limelight. MDMA, I had to actually look that up, I had no idea what that was. You got feeling like a champion. The city never sleeps, better sleep you in Ambien. I knew that was. In, uh, in New York, concrete jungle where the dreams are made of, there's nothing you can do. Now you're in New York, these streets will make you feel brand new. Big lights will inspire you. Let's hear it for New York, New York, New York. Why are you here? Ask someone next to you, why are you here? Why did your parents come here? And they'll say, opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah, well, why, why do you want a better opportunity? You could have stayed in a small town, small city. You know, the confluence of globalization and urbanization, which are the two global trends in the world right now, most people are moving to mega cities curate a very unique microcosm of the best and worst in the human soul. You're here because you're ambitious. Whether you like to admit that or not, I want to help you see that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You wanted something more. And you wanted to come to find out if you could hang with the best. That's why you apply to those schools. And, you know, I, I always see people even who go to the best schools have a chip on their shoulder. And people who go to NYU, they have a chip. And I'm better than here. You know that, right? Or Columbia. I know. You know I'm better than that. You know that, right? This is my safety school. <laughs> Not for Joe. I mean, <laughs> that was his dream school. It was a reach. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you, Joe. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean... You come to New York because you're ambitious. And if you're not careful, that ambition can consume you. There's a dark lust for ambition in New York. And how we redefine or how we define success in life. And so I think we're lured by success in a way more than uh, most people around the world in megacities, but New York especially. And I want to really talk about how, if you're not careful, how you can lose your soul in the pursuit of that success. Because what is success worth if you have to sell your soul? What is efficiency and accolades and achievement 
if all your relationships are failing. Because sometimes that's the cost. And I want to talk about how the gospel saves us from that dark side of ambition. So let's t- turn to this passage here. So, here is the last night Jesus spends with his disciples. And it says that they began to question among themselves which of them might do this. Jesus talked about someone will betray him around the Last Supper. And Jesus talks about, hey, do this in the remembrance of me. He washes their feet. This is where actually it's called the Passion Week, right? Jesus washes their feet. Jesus serves them communion, the Eucharist, first time. Talks about someone's going to betray them. And they go, who's going to betray him? And everybody's like, you know, panicked and arguing amongst each other. And a very awkward transition happens that no one thinks about in this narrative or scenario. And that happens in verse 24. Jesus washes her feet, says he's going to die and be betrayed. But yet, a dispute also arose among them. And read that with me. To which what? Of them was what? Does that fit in this passage? Shouldn't the disciples be like, Jesus, who could betray you? And they were like, anyways, uh, so who's greater? Who's the greatest in this table? But you guys are not like that here, right? None, none of us would have done that. The disciples are, are pretty much... The center, at the heart, epicenter of who they were, they were opportunist. They, they saw the wind of change from John the Baptist to the next religious movement, which, which was Jesus of Nazareth. And they rode that train. And the way they, look at, they looked at the Savior or the, you know, the Messiah, if through a Jewish lens, was a political kingdom. And they're like basically joining a political campaign. Except it wasn't a, de- a democracy, it would be an empire. And they, thus, they saw themselves to see, seize an opportunity to rule. And they're arguing about who's going to rule who. On one hand, this encourages me. Because from the very beginning of Christianity, you're dealing not with this esoteric, weird type of people, like saints, but you're dealing with real people. Tell someone next to you, it, it deals with someone like you. Well, I'm not like that. Well, that's, well, no, that's not true. You're here in New York. You are like that. You're an opportunist. When you're, if you're an actress and you go to an audition and everybody looks like you, what do you want to do? You want to kill everybody. I'm going to kill them and take the role. Look at this picture. The Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci paints this. It's hung over the convent of Santa Maria in Milan, Italy. Da Vinci paints this picture of the Last Supper after Jesus says, they'll betray me. Someone will betray me in this room. And they're arguing among each other who that could be. But in one sense, they're also talking about this 
seduction to power, influence, and ambition that's in all of us. That's why we're here. You know, I heard a funny story one time. When it, a few years ago, an investment banker, they working at Citigroup, he said, you wouldn't believe the week I had this week. I said, well, what, what happened? Well, he goes, our director came in frantic, and I never saw him sweat before. And he brought 28 of us in a conference room, stomped the table, and said, you guys, whatever projects you're working on, derivatives, you know, selling this, that, stop all that. Your main goal this month is to get my kid into kindergarten. They're like, what? I said, shut up. You get this kid to this kindergarten, which is very difficult to get into. He goes, you will call, you will shake, people's, you shake people down, you will write letters, you will do whatever it takes to get my kid to kindergarten. That's your job. And if you fail, you're all fired. People in New York are not kidding. I mean, this is not Harvard admission. This is not an Ivy admission. This is kindergarten. But if you look at who becomes senators and army generals, they all start from those schools in Manhattan, from kindergarten. You can, you can trace influence. People protect their power and influence from that stage. What about, what about this craze over Kanye? A lot of my friends that are, that are Christian leaders are supporting Kanye like there's no tomorrow on Twitter and Facebook. Like, you know, one, one pastor from the Midwest says, wow, I'm going to buy my first rap album. I said, congratulations, man. That's embarrassing. Why, why this craze over Kanye West? What, 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 how do people identify with Kanye? I remember when Kanye just came out, when he was sane, like in 2006, 2006 with, with the first, I, I loved Kanye as well. He did a Saturday Night Live, and it, it so happens that Kanye uh, was doing a show with LeBron James at the same time. And I remember there was a skit where Kanye yells at LeBron and says, give a short black man a chance, LeBron. And, and they're, they're making fun you know, of, his, of his height, of him being small, and him being a rapper, right? His mom had a PhD living up in the suburbs. And, and, and Kanye started actually a new, I'm a, I'm a rap historian too, okay? I grew up in the city. And Kanye started what you, moving a transition from gangster rap, hardcore rap, to what you call flamboyant rap. You know, rapping about Versace, rapping about the bling, rapping about the good life. And it caught everybody's attention. I'm, I don't even understand why, I understand why you would want to buy Jordans. Never buy LeBrons. But Jordan, I understand, right? Because, I mean, he, he, I mean, he beat the aliens in Space Jam. He saved the Earth. I understand that. He did that many times in the NBA Finals, never lost, unlike LeBron, who lost six times. So if the fate of the universe was, you know, in jeopardy, you don't want LeBron to be that guy. He'll definitely miss the free throw. We'll all be enslaved by aliens. But 
I understand why someone like Michael, you know, Michael Jordan, you wear the sneakers, okay? But what, what is the deal with these Yeezys? Why are you paying hundreds of thousands? I, I don't even understand this. I read an article about this. Pastors are wearing Yeezys. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? It's like, they're cool, bro. And ex are you talking about this flamboyant guy that wraps up, that debases women, raps about the dumbest things, is someone you want to model your life after? I want to speak to the culture. What are you speaking to the culture? And, and I don't understand this craze over Kanye, and then I, I realized through prayer, <laughs> why? Tell someone next to you, there's, there's a diva in all of us. Everybody likes to act humble in New York. You don't do that. Everybody likes to act humble, but in every person in this room, there's a dictator. <laughs> how you control your eggs, your steak, how you want your coffee. <laughs> they messed up your coffee. <laughs> My, what are you doing, Bruce? I mean, you should be fired. I mean, you, you, every single person here has a dictator in them and a diva. And that's why people like Kanye. And he, become, and he made, what, billions of dollars now? Adidas, the easiest brand, supposed to be worth $3 billion. You all made Kanye rich. It's popular. It's even riving Jordan brand, which is something I'm not trying to make happen. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, um, and that's the thing. And, and how, how does the gospel save us from this dark side of ambition? Reading from this passage, well, the first thing Jesus does in the Last Supper, when he's, when he's doing kenosis, when he's emptying his life, giving his life for others, he's a king that goes to the cross. He has to show us something about us, a mirror, a microcosm about the best and worst of us. First, the worst of us has to be seen. We have to understand that part of us. How does the gospel save us from the dark side of ambition? Well, the first thing we learn from this text is this. Read it with me. What is it? It confronts what? The diva in all of us. Who's the president of the United States? A, a reality TV star. Kanye says he's going to run in 2024. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. Just leave the United States as soon as possible. I mean, who did we vote for? The most famous person on TV. We are crazed with celebrity and fame and influence. I mean, you know what people count today? Followers on Instagram. We even have influencers. There's nothing wrong with that, but we count everything how many followers you have. It's all about influence, a platform, being a New York Times bestseller. Hey, I want to be a New York Times bestseller. But the reason why is very important. And that's the part that, that the gospel confronts even with the disciples from the very beginning, the diva, the dictator, the monster in all of us that lust for control and wants to make the environment and create a world in our own making. And you thought that that desire to want to be God from the, from, from the very beginning in the garden was like, what does that even mean? They wanted to be like God. That's what it means. 
to become a demigod. And, and it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that the person that sits at the most powerful chair in the world is a demigod. Subconsciously, this country voted for a man they want to be like in many ways. Do whatever they want. Say whatever they want. And so we're in a very dangerous place where reality TV has more influence than the actual news. And this is where the gospel, I think, is very critical at this moment. Do you see the diva in you? Ask the someone next, do you see the diva in you? Because I could show you a mirror. Do you see it in you? The world literally is at stake at this very moment. If you don't rise up and understand what power is meant for and influence is meant for living in this city, some of you will make it. Will we use our influence to create further disparity? To be me-centered and versus other-centered? Because that's the cycle of this planet right now. So it's a critical moment in history. So the gospel first confronts the diva in all of us. Let's move down. So this is what Jesus says. But you are not to be like that. And Jesus says that the pagans use their authority and lord it over others. Calls themselves benefactors. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. Or the actual translation should be the least. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table, but I among you as the one who serves. And this is why if you read scripture very carefully, the, the, the thematic motif of the New Testament, Jesus refers him to, to himself, not as the Son of God. He doesn't say the Son of God has said, or it is said that the Son of God should. He says the Son of Man. He refers him to himself explicitly various times as the Son of Man, He's, which literally translated means, to serve humanity, to serve Adam. So if you want to deconstruct the idea of power and leadership in, through a biblical lens, you cannot divorce leadership from servanthood. Some people have written books about servant leadership. How many people have read? Raise your hand if you've read anything about servant leadership before. That, that leadership should be about service. People running for president, I mean, it's a life of public service. And that's how bogus. Because a lot of people say they're servants, but they use people to their own end. Here, Jesus is deconstructing the idea of leadership. It, you can't say servant leadership. Leadership in a biblical lens is servanthood. Leadership and servanthood are inseparable. You know, I try to understand what, what it means to be a pastor for 20 years, what it meant to be a leader. In the secular framework, and I did doctoral studies in leadership and ethics, 
a lot of people break down leadership to be about influence. An author says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. It's about how much influence you have. And the truth is, a lot of us in this room follow people with influence. And if you strip it down, what it does, we, we could say that's true. Leadership is influence. I try to understand what that is. I remember when I was 21, I stood before 50,000 people. And I remember standing on that stage, and there was, people looked like ants. And I felt like, and people said, were you nervous? I go, no, I was meant for this. He goes, were you nervous at all? So people in the back said, are you nervous, bro? I'm like, no, why? I saw visions about this when I was 16. This is, from now on, my life will be like this. And I remember I met a mentor, an international leader that said, hey, you want to take over my ministry? Uh, you know, I'm willing to mentor you, blah, 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 all that. And I'm like, my life is going to be about this. Platforms, the green rooms. That day I met Matt Redman, all these other Christian celebrities. I'm like, this is what Christian leadership is about. The green room and backstages. The leader flew in, offered me the job. I was take the job. On the airport, I dropped him off. And the Holy Spirit says to me, you can't go to that job. And it was like an inner audible voice. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't wait to get out of Staten Island. I'm still living there. And I, I, mean, I mean, God, you told me to go to Staten Island. You said this is going to be like a desert phase, right? Obscurity for a platform. I paid six years. The Holy Spirit said, no, say no. Call him back. Say no. I mean, that was the hard part, right? You're calling someone that offers you a platform. No. God goes, I want you to stay here. What? I, I, why? Because in my mind, influence and stages equate to, to power. If I have more influence, I could do what? More good. If I'm actually on a stage, I can actually help people. Right? Nope. <laughs> I tell them I don't want the job, and for the next 20 years, I'm here folding bulletins. Not for 50,000, for 50. And you know what I learned in hindsight? Through, through those two different lenses, I've tasted standing in stage versus faithfulness to obscurity. And this is what I learned. The gospel in this text does not say, Use my, get more influence and proclaim my name. No, it says, it says very clearly in this text, become the least and serve. Be faithful. It talks about faithfulness. And you know what? I never thought I could say this, but I, I just want to let you see it. it's possible that God could work in your life. I now do hang out with some famous people, but I necessarily don't like it. In the behind the green rooms of the world, even the White House, I, I was invited to the White House a few times. 
Famous people are annoying. And they're so preoccupied with assistants and entourages, there never could be really quality relationships. Not much, anyway. You know what I love now? I love hanging out with nobodies. And I never thought I would say this. The relationships I curated in, 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 our, in our church community is where I'd rather be than any famous person. Talking about stupid things. But I've learned the value of serving people faithfully, like Jesus has. And there's a joy that comes from that. And I know that that's not sexy to a whole bunch of New Yorkers coming here because you, you didn't come here you know, to become nuns or poor. Right? You came here to be famous and rich and successful. And th- that's a, a very seductive, powerful allure. But I'm telling you, this passage is teaching you. It's what it means to be faithful. What it means to actually care about relationships. To serve others and want to serve. Tell someone next to you, I want to serve you. Not really, not yet, but I'm getting there. I I want to serve you. Here it is, folks. How How does God save us from this dark side of ambition? Secondly, the gospel teaches us how to sincerely Serve others. Hashtag nonprofit. You tell someone, <laughs> I, I ride planes a lot. People go, What do you do? I work for a nonprofit. And they go, Oh. <laughs> if you say pastor, it's even worse. Oh, I'm going to change my seat. <laughs> and then they'll go, Oh, where? And I go, Harvard. Oh, that's a nonprofit. And then, Completely, your status changes. But, but folks, come on. All of you do the same thing. <laughs> right? You do the same thing. That. That's what the gospel has to root out of us. Because we're going to treat people that we think have fame, influence, differently from people who don't. And if we do that, then what? Again, we're utilitarians. We use people for our agendas. And that's what the gospel is against. That's what the gospel is trying to save us from. (laughs) I mean, my greatest surprise in life, experiencing multitudes of things, heartbreak, hardship in ministry, is the joy that comes from genuine relationships. I mean, the closest people in my life, I never ever thought I could be close to. Right? I thought I'd just be hanging out with Daryl Strawberry, you know what I'm saying? Going to the Crusades together, that would be fun. But travel is really excruciating. I'd just rather be home, hanging out with people that I love. That love me, not because I have any platform. They love me, and I love them. And that's what the gospel invites us to. And so, if you're here in New York, (laughs) that's why you need a church. That's why you need a community of faith to anchor you about what's important in life. Not the bright lights, because it can cost you your soul. And I've seen ugly divorces, 
This all comes about social theories and social ladders. Let's stand and pray together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu. And today I'm here with Pastor Lydia. How are you doing today, Pastor Lydia? Good. And Pastor Lydia is the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and so I think in today's conversation, we're talking about something that's a little bit nuanced and something I had to really wrap my mind around to uh, fully understand because I think for myself, it did bring uh, a, a good amount of processing and reflection to really think about uh, this aspect of our souls and our hearts that I think oftentimes seems so normal in our culture, especially for us that live in a big city like New York City. Um, Dr. Sammy makes that joke that it's, it's the best city, so we say it twice. Um, but New York City is a city that offers so many opportunities, uh, brings some of the most competitive people into this place because there's a little bit of something that we're all striving for. And there's a alert to the city that offers big dreams, essentially, right? And I'm having a tough time wrapping my mind around what it looks like to be ambitious. And Dr. Sammy comments on that there is a dark side to our ambitions. And whether you're drawn to New York City for your own respective reasons, it's it, it, you can't really shake the fact that we all are striving towards something. So I guess what it, what is it that we're really being asked to look at when it comes to the dark side of ambition in our souls what would the dark side of ambition look like so more than i think admitting to it is actually the the end the second part i think Mm. the first part that's difficult is identifying that there is a dark side Mm -hmm. to ambition Mm. because when you're ambitious about something, you just see the goal and why you want that goal mm. achieved. And so I think it calls us to examine, um, you know, examine what is the dark side? Mm. What does that look like? Right. You know? Yeah. So like, I know it's a lot more nuanced than it, like ambition just being a completely bad thing, right? It's mm-hmm. not that... Um, the desire for more in our lives is necessarily evil or like it's it's something that we should fight against but it's it's about how we like how we channel our desires if that makes sense right like i think a big part about what dr sammy talked about is that there 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 is an intent and an agenda at the core of some of these ambitions and it's like if we are really critical with ourselves and think about what those agendas are we could we could identify that darkness right well also i think it's a darkness because you know it's kind of like a pun i feel like in a way because there's a darkness of how it causes us to sin Mm -hmm. for what we want it's very implicit right Mm. um temptations or the word allure right the lure of fame influence right um but it is also the fact that it's, if I set the first meaning of the pun, right? Mm. The first definition of darkness as in the temptation that it takes to achieve success, mm-hmm. um, whatever that might look like. I think it's also the other 
definition of darkness, which is it's hidden. Like mm. it's hidden and it's almost like because it's looked upon as something admirable, mm. it is hidden in plain sight. But it's it so it's like a darkness in itself. Mm. So I think that it leads us to the text of what Jesus taught about what true leadership is. Right. Um, and that's where the light is shed about yeah. what it really looks like, mm -hmm. you know, according to Christ mm -hmm. as a Christ follower. Right. Um, because I, I think, you know, also in the hiddenness of, and the, conf and there's a confusion of what, um, what it is, you know, what a yeah. mission is like people, are confused about what leadership should look like, what influence should look like. And I think there's an expectation people feel implicitly and sometimes very explicit. It's almost like groomed into um, people. Like he talked about, you know, our immigrant parents coming for different reasons, right? Yeah. They came not so that they could, you know, take it easy and whatever. Mm -hmm. They came so that they could make a future for their children yeah. so that they don't have to suffer for um for whatever reason and they were willing to sacrifice everything for mm. it um so i think part of it is groomed into us um so i think there's a dissection it's nuanced because i think it's very um there are layers to it that right. we need to reflect on mm -hmm. dissect and really see through Christ's eyes and to kind of break through the confusion hmm. um, because, you know, even before we go into the teaching of what Jesus says about leadership and what it means to have influence versus what the world says, um, before we have the whole conversation, I think we're also learning, you know, outside even the Christian context that fame and influence is unhealthy mm. it is there's a tragedy to fame and influence mm. you know so if we're talking about is it really losing our uh worth losing our soul over definitely not i think more than ever the world is seeing that yeah but it's the world is still caught up in it and i think especially christians are caught up in it because mm. there's a confusion of what we're supposed to pursue right to be the light, to yeah. be the salt of the earth, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I could see how this could be pretty confusing or like maybe th it is much more layered than we tend to think because, you know, uh, like Dr. Sammy said, and as, as we know, like a lot of us come to New York City for opportunity. And a lot of times we're in the mindset and we're thinking, to, oh, like how do we use this opportunity to make the most of it? And, but what the tricky thing there, I think, is what, I, what I'm catching is that like, we're implicitly asking like, how does this serve me or like serve my purposes, right? And I, I guess, and like my, the way I'm thinking about it is like, maybe it's the way in which we're leveraging these opportunities that, that shows the intent of our heart and which is why it's like um, much more sinister than we tend to think it is. Or like, cause I think you're right. And I agree that like New York City, especially where like our culture does celebrate that kind of self-serving, or self like about me leadership right like that self-centered kind of um 
wanting to live a lifestyle that's similar to Kanye or um, being a big shot or, you know, climbing that success ladder or um, these are all things that we're doing for our own sake, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I guess the keywords are at what cost? Yeah. Right. And are you approaching success and influence in the way that you are intended to Mm. without being swallowed up by it? or being objectified by it Mm. i think that's really um those are the key words like at what cost is really what jesus suggests right because it's also what the disciples were wondering about at the last supper who is the greatest you know Mm. and so jesus makes it very clear um well the ones serving those at the table are the greatest because they are the least you know Mm. so he brings up servanthood you know um service to others Mm. in its truest form right that he himself came to serve so he kind of literally flips the table yeah but it's very eye-opening it is it's like it's a very radical idea because i think like uh the way it's framed biblically and historically is that you know they they must have thought that jesus came for like some kind of political uprising but Mm -hmm. to hear that leadership and influence generates the most power through serving and faithfulness to the service of others is is seems almost counterintuitive mm-hmm. you know or is it i don't know i mean i think that's why <laughs> it's like maybe that's why this was like a sermon that i think i had difficulty wrapping my head around you know and i've i've heard servant leadership um you know being used in conversations about leadership ethics and leadership theories and such um but you know even that like the leaderships the servant leadership style is to is for a certain purpose like it's to generate like a certain culture or a certain expectation that if you serve like the people that you have influence over or like you have authority over will also serve in the same capacity right and so there's still an agenda kind of there and so i think it's like all but but that's not exactly what jesus is talking about it's like he's he's truly talking about coming down from a position of power because he was a person that had unlimited power to come at the service of others like true he became a man servanthood yeah right yeah it is radical (laughs) yeah so it's so radical that i think um i'm sure the disciples had a culture shock (laughs) yeah and it's a culture shock for, I think, all of us, mm-hmm. you know. It's either freeing or uh, becomes a, like, a, like a big struggle to mm. overcome, I think. Yeah. Because the thought that, um, what, we're not meant to live for our own interest is like, isn't that the purpose of life? Mm. I think um, people struggle with that you know we don't even have to call it like ambition or you know success or fame because how many people really know fame right Mm -hmm. um kanye knows fame you know billy graham knew fame yeah but really the i guess the motive is self-interest yeah right? right that leads to these things so you know, I really like the way that Leighton Ford, um, that he, the way he put it in his book, The Life of Listening. The Life of Listening. Yes, 
I love all his books, but mm. that, that, it's from that book. Thank you. It says, so he started, um, you know, a ministry called Arrow Leadership, but the vision behind it was, and we say this in our church too, because this is the really the mission, right? Mm. But I love how he um, emphasized this or highlighted it. Um, our aim would be to center on Jesus through the word and spirit. We would help young leaders worldwide to lead, to lead to Jesus in parentheses in evangelism, comma, like Jesus in character and for Jesus in motive. Mm. So I was also part of this program, but that's really the backdrop of why um, leaders go through that program. And mm. he started that. And he's someone who knew fame. He's someone who was given the platform, but he realized at a certain point in his life that what he wanted to live for, um, though some were, you know, his brother-in-law was serving the hugest platform, mm. but he himself realized that God was calling him to a different direction. Mm, yeah. And I love how he writes. Because we often say, oh, I did that for God. I did that for God. Right, yeah. But the motive behind it is not as guileless or pure as for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, what's in it for me? I'll do it. It's like, as long as it's a win-win. Right. And I think the values are mixed in. Right. Um, so it's so simple, right? Mm. But I think it calls us to really reflect. Yeah. Like when we live for Jesus, like, are we? Yeah. Or are we confused about that? Yeah. Are we, do we struggle with that? Right. You know, I think I talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, was it? I think it was the last one. When I said I was turning 40 and I was, um, by the way, you sent me the card. So thank you. Oh, yes, I had to come through. <laughs> yes, yeah. you came through before the, this podcast. Uh -huh. So you made it. But um, mm. kidding. Thanks. But um, yeah, like I remember, I think I talked about this, that six, mo six months before I turned 40, I started thinking about the meaning of my life. Right. And I started asking the questions like, what am I, what have I done and what have I lived for? And the liberating part for me of that whole transition from 39 to 40 was my conversation with Sam when we talked about, like, he, he I say we because we really had a conversation about, like, you know what, this pressure of trying to gain influence right. is not necessarily the model of Jesus. Yeah. It's not what Jesus requires of us, right? Mm -hmm. And um, because at the time I was really struggling with, okay, have, should I have gotten more, um, should I have more influence than I have now? Have I missed a, missed a step? Did I do something wrong? Should I be on a certain different kind of platform? Mm. You know, my Instagram numbers were are pretty sh small. Mm. So I, it made me wonder these things like, God, am I living a meaningful life? Mm. And what Sam, you know, reminded me of was the leadership model of Jesus. And actually, honey, all you need to do is serve. Mm. That's really what Christ requires of us. And it freed me up. Yeah. 
oh yeah, I could definitely live for that. You mm. know, for me, it was an issue of confusion, yeah, of expectation, right, right. Because I think when when Jesus says that we are the light and the salt of the earth, um, there is, I think. We live in a culture where it's not so simple anymore. We have social handles and all sorts, right? So how do we maximize and opportunize so that we can be the best light? Mm. And I think the assumption also is I can't be a light unless... I have a platform. Yeah, we're like people to be a light too. Yeah. yeah, and I can't have a platform unless it's not a platform unless it's this big. Mm. Right. Unless it says something K on my Instagram yeah. follow, you know, following. I don't have a platform. There's no, and there's this talk about platform, and I'm not against platform because sometimes you have to get on a platform to speak up mm-hmm. and to be a voice, you know, in the generation of what God is saying and doing. But there's this confusion and craze about, you know, making the most of it. And and then I think in the midst of all that, we kind of lose ourselves. Yeah. And even before we identify that there, there might be a diva in us, I think we get lost yeah. and then quickly um, fall into the trap of grief and... Mm discouragement and you know fighting for what you know it becomes very unclear right so i also appreciated how in the message sam talks about you know what fame isn't all it's what is what is that uh cracked up to be um (laughs) me and my all its idioms but you know it's not all you it's not what you think it is yeah right and um so he brings out the quality of relationships Mm -hmm. um so yeah right like we don't we don't necessarily know like at what cost we're chasing these things i think like something you've mentioned that makes this very tricky to kind of navigate on your own is that we do we can like convolute our intentions into thinking like this is what Jesus would want yeah. or like this is what this is how I can serve the Lord but then at the end of the day we we miss that we're really making it about us and like how this might make us look or how it serves us right i mean cuz like i think when it becomes like that it's it's about it it seems like when we're trying to influence people or gain more followers or be you know have a platform to speak to people you're not you're not building relationships with them, right? And that's kind of like the essential trap of what celebrity might look like, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Like we don't know how it's affecting our souls at the cost of which relationships. Right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm reminded of two examples um, as you're talking. The singer-rapper named Lizzo mm-hmm. recently tried to sue a food delivery service in Boston because she ordered her food and I guess it didn't come Mm -hmm. and the company said that the delivery person was there but that um, she didn't mention her room number of the hotel so usually what they do is they come and if they can't wait for you or if they've been waiting for you they kind of just leave um because, I mean, how long could they wait, right, yeah. in, in a hotel? So, anyway, she 
went off tweeting mm. and like I think really slandered vented and slandered the company yeah and then um soon after she actually wrote an apology tweet mm. saying that i didn't re- i i guess she was really hungry and mm-hmm. yeah people get angry, angry yeah. but she said i didn't really think about how that might put this delivery person in danger oh wow because she actually has influence and power because everybody was like i guess like yeah kind of like joining Mm. you know the whole rant about it because who doesn't have an experience where food was not delivered or you know served to them in a way that they wanted right so i think it created a like yeah so she actually apologized for that and actually she says like i didn't realize i wasn't thinking when uh when i was upset Mm. that it would actually put someone like her in danger yeah so I think about that because I think that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, when we're, we kind of forget about people. I know in psychology, they use the word empathy a lot. Mm. You know, that um, certain disorders are what they are because the first sign of that disorder, personality disorder, is that they lack empathy. Mm. Whether it's a narcissist or like a psychopath, you know, they lack empathy and that is the first sign. Second sign is that they're highly insecure. Mm -hmm. But... I think, yeah, it's kind of like we lose touch with people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I say we, I'm not famous, but you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's kind of like what she was explaining. She was saying she lost touch with reality. Yeah. And um, another thing that, so I don't know if you watch James Gordon's carpool thing. Carpool karaoke. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's probably an old one. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's, I just watch as I see it sometimes. But um, I saw one recently with Justin Bieber and James Gordon. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he, James Gordon kind of flips the narrative and says, how do you, you know, you don't know what I have to deal with in terms of like paparazzi. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You wouldn't understand. He's kind of like, you know, because Justin Bieber and yeah. paparazzi is huge, right? right? And so at one point they get into like their Range Rover. They go shopping. First they go shopping. They get into the Range Rover and the parking lot is surrounded by cameras. Mm. I mean, this is LA, so it's expected. This is Bieber, it's expected. And he just, James Corden for jokes about like, yeah, I don't actually get this. But he turns around that this is kind of funny, crazy. This is your life. And he jokes about it. And this scene really broke my heart. I think like it really showed me, um, I don't know, like, I like started to, uh, I don't know, like, cry when i saw this like Mm. it really made me sad not because i'm like a huge beaver fan Mm. or any of that but it okay i'll I'll explain so what happened was at one point before they drive off james corden rolls down the windows so all the cameras come in but then to get a shot of beaver and beaver is like very stoic you know but whether it's set up or not i don't i don't know but this one part Set up or not, it's like a real scenario in mm. many ways because this is the life he lives. This woman, like maybe in her 40s, she literally reaches over to touch Bieber's arm, mm. but not like in like a human gesture of 
like connection. Yeah. But like she literally rubbed her arm on him, as if you would pet a cat kind of thing. No, not even like almost like you would rub like a good luck charm. Um, but it was kind of like that. Like it was so objectifying and um, dehumanizing. Dehumanizing. Yeah. Like I saw that, and I he didn't even flinch because he's so used to it. Mm. And then you know we all know like Bieber is o- very open about this that he struggles because right. he had fame to an ex- he has fame to an extent that he never imagined, and he it happened since he was a child. Yeah. And so. He has no sense of privacy. Like everything is scrutinized. Like all these things, right?、Mm. But when I saw that, like it really broke my heart. How dehumanizing it is. So I think it works both ways. Right. You know, you lose a sense of reality of people. You know,、mm. and you, and in return, as fame grows, you almost become dehumanized. Yeah. And become a figure. Public figure, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like you lose that soul to soul connection with people. Like、yeah. it's not, it's not that. I don't know what that's like, but it's that that that's that that does seem really sad. Like when you explained it that way, because it seems like people won't treat Justin Bieber as a human being. Like, how are you doing? Or is everything okay? It's just kind of like. It's whatever they. Let me get a they, piece of you. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. That's l- exactly what it felt like. Right. And you know, for someone who doesn't have that kind of fame, may want it. Yeah. You know, like oh, that's what I want, where I'm seen and heard、mm-hmm. and known. But that's why it's really the. There, there is a darkness, and there is、uh, an extent of pain and loss that、mm-hmm. comes with. Um, that kind of platform, you know.、Right. Um, so yeah, those two stories really popped up.、Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think like thank God that Jesus came, otherwise just to kind of address those things because you know like I'm I'm just speaking based off of what I understand like how times were like in history where. You know, kings didn't so like associate with like servants or peasants and such like that, and there was like a gap between them because of the way they saw each other, right? Like they didn't see each other as humans. Like more or less, kings or royalty was treated as like gods and such, and you know, peasants and like people in lower social classes were seen as just like utility for a certain purpose, right? And、mm-hmm. so it loses that element of what it means for human to human connection. But you know, there. There is that redeeming quality about what it means for a king to come down and, you know, live amongst his people that allows for a greater depth, a, for a greater relationship. No matter what kind of a person you are, what kind of, I guess, difference in whatever like differences we tend to make up about each other. At the end of the day, it's human to human connection, and it's I can't really imagine. What it would be like to lose that because it seems that there there could be the cost of that connection with people when it comes to us trying to become more or better or excel and you know it it almost puts a gap between you and others 
Yeah. You know, when we think, I think, um, I actually thought about this a lot last week um, while cooking. Um, I like made five soups in the kitchen, I think, because I'm like experimenting with different dishes. But salt came up on my mind, mm. right? And Jesus calls us to be salt, right? Or um, light, mm. right? And perhaps the, you know, the smarter folks of you guys like maybe already knew this mm. but i'm a little embarrassed to say but like i had a light bulb moment in the kitchen because salt is only good in relation to, in relation to something else right yeah like salt in itself is i've never eaten a spoonful of salt because <laughs> it tasted good you know <laughs> yeah or light it's yeah. only good as what it reflects Mm. right yeah that's poetic (laughs) (laughs) but i think a lot of times as christians you know we think about salt let's be salt we think about ascension of one person Mm. but actually it's really in relation to someone else wow it's really about relationship Mm -hmm. and so when Jesus says, be the salt of the earth, he doesn't really mean um, stand out on your own. Yeah. Be a superstar so that everyone will know that you are salt. Actually, you only know the taste of salt as it makes and enhances or preserves other things in yeah. relation to it. Wow. Like, the, <laughs> like salt, like the purpose of being salt is to elevate the things that it encounters yeah as light does like it yeah brings, like light itself doesn't bring color it, it's through yeah i mean i don't want to get too yeah, scientific okay, yeah, about the yeah, whole light uh-huh, thing mm-hmm. i mean you could i don't know much <laughs> about light but yeah light is it's about what it reflects right you know wow. so i think it's not about a one person ascension into fame or platform mm-hmm. it's actually about how you have relationship with others that right. will determine um, that you are indeed effective disciple or a true disciple. Right. And Jesus makes it clear right before he died on the cross, he prays to the Father and says that by their love, they will know that God, you sent your son. Mm-hmm. It's again about relationship. Yeah. So... Christ himself is displaying um, the greatest example of relationship. Mm-hmm. So going back to the definition of lead, yes, we all want to lead. I mean, Bible makes it very clear to lead and not to follow. Not that it's opposed to follow, but to be the head and not the tail, yeah. right? In the Old Testament. But the in essence we all must lead and it's not lead like a ceo Mm -hmm. transactionally not lead to gain um what i could gain from a company or from a coworker or from my team but it's to lead a life of example of christ Mm -hmm. really is which really is servanthood Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, that is something I can be faithful to. Because 
already an example has been set. Mm-hmm. It's not something I have to make happen. I just need to be faithful mm-hmm. to whom and what I've been given in my life. Yeah. So I think when we lead our lives and lead others in the example of Christ, we can truly know um, what that diva really looked like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's yeah. really, it's not that we go, oh yeah, what does that diva look like? I shouldn't do that. No, actually, it's really about when we live the life that Christ calls us to live and lead it well yeah. and lead others well in the way that Christ calls us to lead. Well, I think then it's kind of like the light brings out the darkness. Right. You know? And you actually, I don't want to be too corny, but, and the salt brings out the blandness. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Then you realize actually, and it's kind of like what C.S. Lewis said. He said that we're always playing with mud pies. I guess there's some cooking reference there. Yeah. We're always making mud pies when God's calling us to holiday at sea. Yeah. We real And it's not the the fault or the problem is not that we, I don't know, this Desire is that or Chesterton say that. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Maybe it was but, Chesterton. Yeah, but it's not that we dream so big, but that it's really that we dream too small. Yeah. Yeah, I had this epiphany in the kitchen and I was just like, oh my gosh, again, I felt so liber- liberated. Mm-hmm. It is about how I have relationship with people mm. in my life. And what else can you be really faithful too other than relationships in your life i mean you can do all sorts of fishing to get followers like Mm -hmm. i have those yeah you know people all sorts of people follow me i follow interior designer bunch of people from france follow me Mm -hmm. but then i don't follow them yeah and they all drop me too Mm. so is that relationship no like it'll look i guess more dense in following Mm -hmm. but really <laughs> yeah that's not what i want to live for right you know so others could look and say oh pilot she's really living an influential life mm. no i want when people see like if we're to use instagram for example since it's such a social media driven world mm-hmm. if when people look into my instagram <laughs> it might be a little bit um ambiguous to others Mm -hmm. but i know that people in my life in my community know what i'm talking about yeah we definitely do (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. because people are in relationship with me right you know and they know they know who i am Mm -hmm. they know i want people to uh, feel seen and heard and that they matter to christ you Mm -hmm. know what i mean that's really what matters at the end of the day you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and Bible says, whether we eat or drink, let's do it to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Again, glory of God is about the motive. For whom are we doing this for? For self-interest? Or ultimately, does it help someone along? Does it serve someone else yeah. to feel connected when they're disconnected? You know, Mm -hmm. so I guess I could say I'm very ambitious in my one post, but yeah, yeah, so there's a dark side, I think, of ambition that we're all, um, you know, faced Mm -hmm. with or um, that we have to come to terms with. Right. But yeah, 
<clears throat> I think that's a that analogy you're making about salt and light is a very beautiful sentiment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, that's something I definitely want to get behind. You know, but and I can't help but feel and like almost. I'm 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 almost a little bit sad about it because like it seems like that's not really championed in our culture, right? We live in New York and even in our media and our um whether it's TV or on social media and such like that. It seems like what's celebrated is the kind of it's hard to describe because it's not necessarily narcissism or like explicit self-centeredness. There but there is like an element of where look what I have done, look what I have accomplished, and this is like how you live your best life, or this is how you maximize your life, um, and this is the way I did it, right? And it's like, that is influential in the way that people, it like, it taps into that same desire that people innately have. Um, and that is a much more prevalent thing in our culture than it is for someone to see how they're living a life of service to others like that's not as champion in our culture so much i'm wondering like is uh, how much of that is influencing us into kind of twisting our intent because i don't think everybody has the intention of making their life about themselves right because i think i think many do to start out yeah, oh. to live for themselves. Right. I think it would be naive to say people don't do that because that's not ultimately what they want. They might right. learn that ultimately that's not what they want, mm. but I think plenty of people do live for themselves. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that because, you know, mm. at the same time, what what is important for you and I, I think, is that we do live our life for god or we try to live our life for god but that is also a reward for ourselves right kind of rewarding yeah it's rewarding for ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like but it it does it does influence in such a way to do that for our lives because we know that there is a reward for us also it's not explicit as in like wealth or anything like that but there's like an internal joy Mm -hmm. about it and i think that's not necessarily a bad thing right because like Mm -hmm. ambition in and of itself is not about because we're ambitious to serve the lord or to do these things for god um and maybe that's not such a bad thing that i think is inherent in everybody but maybe what i'm wondering is and maybe to get your thoughts on it in this conversation is do you think that kind of motive gets like twisted in a certain way based on how we see optically how other people live their lives Oh, does envy drive ambition? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, I mean, it's based on keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. And the grass literally looked greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I want to first say, I guess, God's not opposed to us maximizing our opportunity. Actually, the Bible says um, to make most of your opportunity, but for mission. Mm -hmm. And um, for the times that they lived. But so he's not opposed to that. Um, but to answer the question, does envy drive ambition? Hmm. Yeah, f- plenty. And I think that's the thing. It's, you know, I think also envy is like an unprocessed feeling. Right. It's unprocessed 
not only that it's raw, but it's unprocessed as in there's so much in that feeling of envy and of coveting um, what others have compared to what one may feel they don't have um, that make people do all sorts of things yeah. to achieve the satisfaction of having it, mm-hmm. you know? And um, people go as far as to, I don't know, there's, you know, yeah. to all sorts of violent acts, right? Internally, physically, to gain what they feel they don't have. But, yeah, because it's, it's you also said confused. I think it really confuses people what people feel they think they need yeah. and want. Yeah, I think that's exactly kind of what I was... Because it seems like that envy or what we see that other people have and we want wanting that, like misdirects, uh, not, and I, I guess this is why it's so nuanced because it's not that desiring is a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it's about what we're desiring for and why we're desiring for it, right? Because like the desire for relationship is not necessarily a bad thing, but to be in relationship with people and to have loved ones that you're in connection with. But, you know, that that could almost be like, slightly twisted to be like oh if i only had that girlfriend or boyfriend or if only my life looked like this with like my partner or something or if only right like we kind of like twist and convolute these things so that they become strangely self-serving if that makes sense say the last part again like we we convolute these things to make it almost seem like self like it's like twisted self-service right like because like if i had that thing and not like oh i desire that right i, I think it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's th- there's like a really thin line like mm-hmm. that's really hard to draw mm-hmm. about why about for what reasons we desire after things right you mean um to realize what if it was worth it or not. Yeah, or if that's like a true side. desire, or if that's like a true um, intent for why we want those things. Like, because, you know, we're all meant for relationship. Or like, let's say, um, like even the intent to want to provide or like be self-sustaining or like, I'm, and I'm thinking money just because it's like the one mm-hmm. that makes the most sense for me right now. It's like, I want to be able to have enough becomes like i want a million dollars i want two million dollars i want three million dollars right and it's like the intent to want to be be full of provision is not necessarily a bad thing but it's like we keep lusting for more and more money or like Mm -hmm. like a desire to want to be in intimacy becomes a lust for like a person right like it's it's like that it gets twisted yeah like it gets twisted yeah. yeah i think that's why um the word is such is the path is the light onto our path. Mm. Like it lets us know the, the clear boundaries of between, you know, the things that we struggle and borderline with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, helps us clarify some certain things that are very different in value with this world, Mm. you know? So, and sets us free. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah. yeah. But, 
Yeah, it definitely gets twisted, I'm sure. And I think many people are on the end of striving for it more than have achieved having, having achieved, achieved it, yeah. it, you know? Mm-hmm. Be, um, but, you know, if you hear stories of influencers, for example, right? Um, they will say, like, oh, Pastor Lydia, you don't, this is not really me. That's all, like, you know, I'm just putting myself as how people um, uh, perceive me hmm. because I've, and they will, uh, and I say they, there's, there's several that I know, right? They will say, it's, that's not even me. You know, that's not me. Like, they'll say that. Hmm. And they all, all, they will all say also, you know what? It's also very tiring to, on a really rough day, I want to be known for myself. Mm. I want to be known in real relationship and not as this person. Mm. You know, I've heard funny stories. It's not funny. I mean, I guess it's kind of more sad, but funny that that it could seem odd. Yeah. Um, you know, followers asking for you know, something that belongs to the influencer because they will say your life just seems so um, put together mm-hmm. and I am really in an opposite place. I just feel like if you gave me, gave me something that you use on a daily basis, it might encourage me. So it's not what it appears to be. Mm. Like After like all the glitz and glamour, it's actually... Or even stories yeah you know you're and because you know after a while like for influencers it becomes their income right Mm -hmm. or um if not in an income level it becomes you know even like pocket money i mean Mm -hmm. what is it called allowance of some sort it gives allows you the luxuries of things that you don't have to pay for yeah because if you're sponsoring certain things or what but so it becomes a means to an end. But I think a lot of people will say, no, I don't think people will say as an influence, I love what I do, mm. but it takes time. Yeah. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. You know, I've walked around with um, influencers and literally you, on a beautiful day, you have to make a picture. Yeah. Uh, you have to stop. Yeah. You, you have, there, it's chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will all tell you it's a lot of work, mm. you know, but yeah, so there's no glam in the actual mm. effort right. or even the end yeah. of what it becomes. Right. So I guess it's really important for us when it comes to, these endeavors and such to think about at what cost these things might come to you. Cause like, I can't imagine being an influencer and having to seize the opportunity of a nice day to make it my work. If you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it doesn't become something. It's not just for the pure thought of enjoying a beautiful day. It's kind of like, Oh, I have to now, you know, show that I'm enjoying this beautiful day so that others can see. Added pressure. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, it seems like it becomes... Not to say they don't enjoy their days, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely added pressure that right. I think people don't see the um, that there's a cost to mm. fame. And, you know, some influencers that started out way early when Instagram started are in a place where they didn't think they would be. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they they will say it's a lot. It was a lot easier then, mm-hmm. and they will say I got really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's success that they didn't actually ask for. Yeah. Like for example, like a lot of moms, they start out posting, and it catches eye of, um, you know, like children's fashion companies, mm-hmm. and they will sponsor you. Yeah. And then you'll get. Followings and followings and followings. So it's not what they were really planning for some, mm-hmm. but it happens, and they will say it's exhausting. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so it's not that like we're opposed to that mm-hmm. or that God is, but I think God can set people free from the illusion of of yeah. ambition or what ambition. It can God's freedom can replace ambition, so that the motive for why we do things can actually be rewarding. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. it could be rewarding, um, and our lives can be filled with joy and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny because uh, I think while we were talking, I just I just realized how much of this this kind of lifestyle or culture we live in influences even me because at first when i was thinking about this sermon i wasn't really thinking like oh i don't want fame or anything like that or mm-hmm. celebrityum but when i look at my instagram it's like i live as if i i'm like i'm some of the people that i follow on instagram mm-hmm. which which is like the weird thing that clicked at this moment it was mm-hmm. like oh i'm not famous or anything or i'm not a celebrity at all but I I live my life as if I were, as in like I put up videos mm. of cutting steaks and such because I watch people put up videos <laughs> that cut steaks, or mm-hmm. I watch people that work out mm. a lot, and so I put up videos of me working. It's like I didn't even realize just how deep that influence is in my life, and just how much I exhibit that same behavior mm-hmm. because I didn't th- I I like I didn't imagine that I was someone that's b- being influenced in that way. Mm. You know, that's that, that's just just something weird that i just thought of right now yeah i think that's a good point of that we're influenced uh-huh. you know sam gave an example of how pastors i mean like i actually checked that site out i find it really odd too interesting mm. um sneakers and pastors there's a website called sneakers and pastors or something like preachers. preachers and sneakers preachers and sneak oh yeah. that's a website where they all wear really expensive yeah kicks. and yeah. someone just i don't know much about it yeah. but someone just posts um, what these leaders are like pastors yeah. are wearing not just leaders not like ceo leaders like pastors yeah. are wearing and their outfits and they'll say what it is and the price and you know you could look at that and be like well who cares like why are you so judgmental mm-hmm. but sam made a really good point it's at, it's not about the only the cost of three thousand dollar see you know for someone in a world from the world will see that and say but why does a pastor need that yeah i mean you might also get a comment like well why can't a pastor wear that i mean it might come in different you know angles but it i think someone actually said um who just came to christ or they saw that side and said that's so not cool in this context yeah it's almost ridiculous like why would they do that yeah it almost turned them off but my point being my point is not that but you know sam said when people pastors wear yeezys for example Mm -hmm. 
how much are they oh like they're thousands? pretty expensive uh, some like the old ones the original models can go up to thousands but like retail they're already still pretty expensive like you probably buy them for like 500 dollars or something like that okay so these really expensive sneakers right mm-hmm. um yeezys when i think he was making the point like when pastors wear them it's not just about the sneakers but it's about what the sneakers represent right and it and we can't you can't say i'm not influenced by yeah. I just like the sneakers. Yeah. No, I'm not influenced by Kanye. Yeah. No, I just like the style. But I think that's the implicit part that yeah. you are talking about, right? Yeah. That not saying you're a pastor or anything, but you <laughs> saw that you were influenced. Yeah. And you even, didn't even realize how subtle it was. Yeah, I didn't even think twice. Because I, I, when we were first talking, it was just kind of like, um, I, I, I didn't identify with, you know, wanting, like, grand things in my life, whether it's material things or just accolades or fame. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's we do what we see. And we see that people that live great lives, quote-unquote, whatever great means to you, seems awesome. So you want to do those same awesome things and then before you know it you're you're becoming that or you're you're more influenced by that than well i was more than i thought you know and i think that's kind of like so sneaky you you don't think twice that um people see that or like you, you we don't catch for ourselves that we are acting the way in which we see mm. if that makes sense yeah makes sense yeah oh great yeah there's definitely uh temptation that lingers Mm. right um in those it might not even be a person right it might be a lifestyle that's exactly what i was thinking yeah Yeah. because uh am i for me i don't want to be like somebody Mm -hmm. but i want to live like these Mm. people do almost and that's that's even more subtle because you know we were talking earlier about like how because we want to become like this so bad. Like I remember a couple of years ago, there was like a huge craze about trying to be like Beyonce. Or like <laughs> if you remember that, there was like Beyonce's queen and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And now everybody was just being called queen, and like you call <laughs> everybody queen and king and stuff like that. Um, and like we we try to live that lifestyle, or we try to be about that lifestyle, and that's what we strive for without even realizing, right? Like, um, and we find ourselves involved with things that we didn't necessarily know that we would get involved with i guess is Mm. pretty interesting too because you know there's a series of things in my life that i'm like oh if i wasn't trying to be like something i'm not currently right now i wouldn't be involved in doing this like let's say for me like working out or like even fishing or um like even school right now right it's like because I've seen it and I also want that thing or that lifestyle. You model your life that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be a trap because you can go into this direction of being somebody that continues to go for, to keep up with the Joneses. You just keep going for the next thing, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you don't even realize that you're actually following a certain pattern mm. of um, influence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a, 
that's a sobering thought because you know I, th- I guess when dr sammy first like introduced his sermon saying like it's hard to admit that we're ambitious i didn't really feel that way at first but now that i'm thinking about it it does seem like it's hard to identify that there are these very subtle aspects of us that drive our lives more so than we think and at what cost i don't know like i like for some people it could be a lot of money or it could be relationships right like there is a certain trade-off that might not be in your best interest if if we don't if we aren't aware that we're making these kind of lifestyle changes or behaviors yeah and it's not as beautiful as it would seem on instagram yeah the cost of it is definitely hidden who's Mm -hmm. gonna say make a post and say in order to gain this opportunity i basically had to stab three people on my team yeah no one's gonna write that they're just gonna write you know about open the bottle of champagne to celebrate for this Mm -hmm. right it's a very different picture Mm -hmm. than picture in reality than what is perceived Mm. and portrayed right can can we talk about this a little bit because i Mm. now because i'm thinking just what that looks like when it comes to how our souls are impacted and maybe eroding from some of these choices that we make about our lives. Because whether we know it or not, we are kind of making small trade-offs in order to maybe get that success or to get that status or, I don't know, that, that, uh, I don't know, the salary cap or the CEO title. Like there, there are certain things that we whether we know it or not we're giving away in order to gain right like whether it's time or our families you know do you have any thoughts on what that looks like for the soul well there's so many stories of pastors who focus as an example, there's so many stories of pastors who focus on their ministry to the point of building something, um, the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. they will say, yeah. that their relationship with their children and wife and sometimes husband is absent. Mm. And it's reflected on the... Yeah, it's reflected on the family or even the well-being of the children. Yeah. Um, and I say that about pastors, but I think that's very common in all areas of success. How because of this deal, because of this, whatever it may be, you know, you cancel on your children you don't make time with Mm. your wife and little by little it wears off the relationship yeah and it ruins families and it ruins individuals Mm. so can we really look in the soul and see what color it changes like a mood ring no but i think it all again it reflects on the relationships is how you know you can see Mm how it affects the soul Hmm. so you know when should we go continue on that yeah 
if you want to. I mean. So, when Jesus says, "Serve," a son of man came to serve and to save. Like, it's not at all a call to be the scum of the earth.、Mm-hmm. It's actually a call. To the greatest opportunity, you know,、hmm. to br- have and to bring greatest meaning, not to just yourself, but to those around you. Like really, Jesus is saying, bring value to those around you.、Hmm. Be the salt and and the light. Serve the relationships that you are in. Yeah. Don't just try to take from them. You know, don't be transactional because、mm-hmm. you want something. But actually,、um, live like they matter, you know, not because of their degree and where they come from and their pedigree, but because they are alive,、mm-hmm. because they're made in my image, because they also、um, are loved by me, you know.、Mm-hmm. So, I think that the model of Jesus. When really lived out, it changes relationships. It changes churches. It changes、um, friendships.、Mm. It changes everything. Yeah. So we can channel that ambition towards those desires and those goals also, and that's that's why Jesus came. I mean, is that too bold to say? Because I think. It seems difficult to want to desire those things unless it has been done for you or I, or like I'm t- I'm speaking for myself. Is that I didn't know that I can desire like service towards others in such a way un- until I experienced what it was to be. I don't not directly served by Jesus, but Jesus, like you know, like learning about Jesus and knowing Jesus and encountering God. In this way, where I'm realizing that the most important thing is relationship, and because of that, I want to live my life so that my relationships can flourish, or I can be someone that adds value to my relationships, right? Like that—that—that that, that doesn't just happen in a vacuum, right? It, it happens, and we desire those things because we've encountered Christ first. Yeah, because he's the greatest example of a friend who laid down his own life、hmm. for his friends. Yeah. For salvation, was it worth it? He didn't have to do it, but was it worth it? Yeah, because it showed us the greatest example, but also spiritually it saves us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. So you know, it's not like、um, if you're going this direction of great success, well, you're doomed. You need to turn around and like go. It's not that. I think God is calling us to examine. Um, our motives. He's not judging us. He's calling us to examine our motives. He's saying, "Well, well, this is actually why I came, and this is why I'm, I'm washing your feet, because well, the world tends to influence, influence. You know, Jesus was tempted by all of it, but he overcame. You know,、yeah. you know, he said, 'I lived on Earth for thirty-three years, and I was tempted by all sorts of、mm-hmm. things that you were tempted by.'" Yeah. But let me show you a better way.、Mm-hmm. Let me free you up from the pressures of this world.、Mm-hmm. Come and、um, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, 
Come and find rest from me, for I am humble. I will teach you. I will give. Um, I will put upon you um, my yoke. You know, take from you your burdens. Like Jesus is speaking to people who live with all sorts of overwhelming and over expectation. Hmm. Um, that was never really me- meant for us to live on. We're really meant to live. Not coast, but like live a meaningful life. Yeah, and um, that meaning is found in Christ. Yeah, because He is the only God, who though He was not just King but God Himself, um, emptied Himself and came, and became a man. You know, there are other figures. Hmm. There are kings that have done this and have gone a lot of reverence, and there's a following. You know, but he's the only God who became a man and lived as a man, not just kingdom, uh, some faraway land, mm. but kingdom of God who was divine, who was deity. God himself stepped down, you know, mm. in, yeah, into darkness, but into this world. Yeah. Um, He's the only one who did that, who is actually God. So, yeah, it could be like a fairy tale if a prince steps down and, you know, like Prince Harry marries Meghan Markle, hmm. you know, like a commoner. I mean, not that like British is like an incomparable, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, and the celebrity, I think she's paying the cost of that, too. She's suing the British tabloids. Oh, wow. Yeah. But again, you know, it shows... But yeah, to to finish my point, it's not that a king married a prince, a a, a commoner, and became a princess mm. in that kind of service, you know, yeah. or or became more servant-hearted, or became more. Um, it wasn't like an human. elevation in status. Yeah, so. it's not like they lowered their status quo mm. to find someone, you know, beneath, yeah. you know. Not that human beings are more beneath or above others, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about status here. It's not like a fairy tale story, mm. although it is because it is the greatest story. But yeah, God Himself stepped down and came to this world mm. and died for all of us who struggle with that. Mm. So the question is there a diva? Uh, what does a diva and you look like? She might not scream and ask for, you know, all sorts of, I don't know, grand things. But she might be peeking in and very, or he might be very distressed about the lack of self-gain that he or she is receiving at this time in life. Very... um, displeased with status quo because he or she is not getting what they deserve what they feel entitled to like it could look like many different faces it doesn't have to be as flamboyant as Nicki Minaj or Um, Cardi B yes I was gonna say Cardi B Mm. Cardi B or Kanye yeah you don't have to outright say I'm a superstar yeah you might feel like a superstar but you're not getting the attention yeah. And feel like, what the heck? Do 
Don't you know who I am? Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm not talking about EDS where people lacked to be seen mm -hmm. growing up. And, you know, although it is, sin is a, um, what is that word? A distortion, right? Mm -hmm. Or a dysfunctional way of living. But, yeah, it might not look like the flamboyant, but it might be very implicit and mm -hmm. even passive aggressive. Um, but I think identifying it, whether it comes in twisted twisted fantasies, right? It twisted fantasies or it comes in confusing expectations. I think the reflection of that will actually save us hmm. from the heaviness of of it. Yeah. Cuz many will strive for it and might not ever achieve mm -hmm. that success, but will have spent their whole life trying to achieve something and have lost their life. Yeah. But Jesus clearly says, and this is so freeing also, she said, those who lose themselves, lose their own life for the sake of the gospel will find it. Mm. But those who lose the gospel to find themselves in the world will actually lose their lives. Yeah. So there is... There's a huge, what's the word, trade-off? Yeah, yeah. Opportunity cost. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's like, actually, God wants to give us the greatest opportunity mm. of joy and happiness and meaning. Mm. Not to say serving others doesn't come with rejection and, yeah. There's you know, persecution. Yeah. yeah, but the at the end, who we become and what we have lived for is so worthy and and weighty you know yeah there's like a gravitas and a meaningfulness to yeah. it yeah which is really at the end meaning yeah. we would have we would have lived meaningful lives mm. that contributes to others mm. right i guess like i'm curious to know because even at like let's say someone does achieve all the things you hear time and time again there's so many movies about how at the end of it they're you know they look to the sky and they say what was all that for or why did i do all that um i think one of my friends was talking about that book when breath becomes air about the neurosurgeon who was serving his residency who was given a fatal diagnosis with cancer and you know he was the top of his class and such but he was diagnosed with this life-threatening disease and was like, why did I do all that? You know, for what purposes? And I, I think like, even though we achieved all the things we wanted to achieve, or let's say we do get the accolades we were searching for, it's at, it's at the end, we still might be faced with the question of why, for what purposes, for what, what, what gain did I get from all of this? You know, because it, it seems like even if you might have a million followers or, you know, a hundred million dollars, we're still always faced with that very existential question of what was the point or why did we do all that? And I guess my question is kind of like, how do we, how do like, what, what can we do to live a life that is faithful to, um, our, our mission to God or a life of service to others so that we don't have to compromise relationships or we don't have to compromise the meaningful things in our lives, right? Like, is there, do you have a, do you have a picture in mind? Is there, um, 
is there something in mind that you can share with us about that? Well, I think it sounds so simple, but I think start by looking around you. Mm. Because I think we miss the people that are most important to us because we always take them for granted. Mm. Like, for example, like, um, for me, I don't know, I had this, like, restless thought of, you know, because there's so many things coming up, right? So my mind was very restless last weekend. And I was trying so hard to find peace about it Mm. that I completely missed... um, like Josh in front of me. Hmm. And I say that because I was like, you know what? I can't. I mean, yeah, sometimes like our minds are racy and it's restless and sometimes it's warfare. Sometimes it's anger, you know, Hmm. it's many things. Sometimes it's just a lot on our plate, but for whatever those reasons are, like Josh kept saying, mom, let me show you my dance (laughs) you know Mm. and then like i was like okay josh like i'll sit here you could dance but like you could sit here i'll see you Mm -hmm. but like i was like trying to do my own thing not that like i was really doing anything Mm. you know i'm not saying that you know only those who are not doing anything it's not about doing or it's i was really not doing anything i was Mm. just like so caught up in the restlessness of my mind Mm. that I completely missed him that by God's grace at one moment, I was like, I'm being a horrible mom. I think I should stop because um, I think he wants my attention. Hmm. I mean, yeah, kids want our attention all the time, but this was like, it felt like I was missing something. So I looked at him and he started like, dancing on the floor this is my break dance mm. this is my you know and i really saw him right and then i smiled at him and then he smiled at me and then i hugged him and i was just like in awe of this person in front of me but it helped me like realize how often we miss the people around us mm. because we miss what it who is closest to us because we take them for most granted i think Mm, yeah so yeah it seems so simple but i would say look around um i think we often get caught up in online shopping too Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not opposed to it you gotta do online shopping i do online shopping for everything Mm. from groceries to all sorts of things you know um, to a new chair, to like water filter, like, you know, because the, you know, I, I guess like the quality of our life matters yeah. and how well we live matters, right? Because self-care matters and, you know, we don't want to go homeless. Like that's not the point. But I guess my point is like, I think a lot of times we're consumed to, for the next stage of life mm-hmm. or next stage of success so much that, we get caught up and miss relationships doing, mm. you know, Our those thing. things. Yeah. So again, it's not black and white that God's supposed to. It's a very nuanced thing, but as simple as 
look around、mm. and invest into relationships that you've been wanting to invest in.、Mm. You know, spend time with your wife. You know, obviously, I'm talking to the audience, but like, spend time with your wife. Yeah. You know, take your wife, your husband out for a meal, a movie.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk to your friend about Christ.、Mm. You know, like, you know, seize the moment and seize the day and serve one another. I think it's sometimes we complicate it, but.、Mm, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we complicate it because we're always in the back of our minds thinking, oh, what does this cost me? Like,、so、I'm guilty of, like, oh, it's going to take so much time. Or do、yeah. I have the emotional energy or capacity for this? But I guess when you put that aside and it's not really about you and your life or that moment, even serving in that moment is really about the other person. That stuff doesn't really matter. Yeah.、Right? I think even at the cost of inconvenience. Oh, yeah. People are worth it,、mm. and you know what? At the end, at, at like I'm not at the end of my life, but at forty, <laughs> what I loved was that、um, people in my life, I have genuine relationships with them,、mm. is what I was most happy about. You know, I I was so happy that I had people serving the Lord alongside of me,、mm. not because of You're not paying us to do this. <laughs> yeah, like, but like w- in one mind, but there was mutual love. You、yeah. know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. It wasn't like as a pastor telling people what to do, and if you don't get it done, it's like you're horrible. Just, it wasn't like that.、Yeah. But it was, there were people I wanted to eat with. There were people that I want to drink tea with, coffee with. Like, one more laughter it just seems like such a blessing. And then none, you know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. And people are, I, w- I was getting to know,、mm. and it felt really good at 40 to start like that. Yeah, to build、um, history and a team of people living life together, doing the mission. I mean, Jesus says, you know, those who do the will of God are my family. Yeah. You know, so, and I felt that there was a sense of family because we do these things together.、Mm-hmm. You know, we struggle to do these things together. We reflect together. I mean, you know, individually,、yeah. but together because of this one mission of living for Christ,、mm-hmm. you know? So, and also to look around that at people who have come to Christ. Because of relationships, you know, not just a message, but yeah, it's true. People definitely read the believer, not、mm. the Bible, many times. Yeah. And to know that they, though they never met Christ in the flesh, they met people in the community that represented his service and love,、mm. his kindness, and as a result, decided, you know what, I want to be a Christian. Yeah. That's I want to live for Christ、hmm. and to give their lives to Christ and also be in the team as a family of God serving together so that others could experience that felt really good. Yeah, it's, I feel the same way. <laughs>、yeah. 
quality is so different from right the it's meaning is just greater it's just i'm in, and this is a bold thing to say for me because i don't really say things like this often but i i'm very happy with my life and i think it's so meaningful and i'm blessed to have been shaped and to have encountered christ in such a way where i can enjoy relationship to such a degree that it's like everything else pales in comparison and that's just something i want to always be no matter what changes whether my circumstances change or like things around me change i like i want to be a person that values relationship always and with zero compromise about it you know yeah but I guess I would say that it comes in different stages of life too. Yeah. It's not just like you sit and make down goals or, or sit down and write down goals and achieve it and then you forget people. I think that it comes in different stages. It comes in um, when you, as a single person, single woman, single man, right? And then it comes when you get engaged. Like things start to matter mm-hmm. more. And so plans become sometimes even more complex Mm. and as people get married as people get new jobs as people get a raise i think these things happen it's not always that it happens because you aim for it but i think sometimes as you transition into new stages of life new jobs Mm. um five figure to six figure as things transition all of a sudden the the implications or the temptation of that or that lure for um, ambition versus relationship, um, it creeps in in different ways. Mm. And um, it tempts us in different ways to live our lives a certain way, mm. you know? So that we could sustain or to get more. And that it's in that process where we start um, not just forgetting, but not treating the people as they should be treated. You yeah. know? So, does that make sense? It does make sense. Because I think we would get so caught up with ourselves and like whether we intended it or not that you know we we lose the value of people or like sometimes it seems like we consider people not worth our time because our time is geared for something that's more quote-unquote important or something more we're preoccupied with like because one of the fears i have with you know being at school is that sometimes i feel like i'm losing touch with some of my closest friends because i Cause it just feels like a time constraint, you know, and like I know it's worth spending time with my friends, um, but often it's hard to see that when it's like I have so much stuff to do, and it's not even like I value this stuff more than my friends in my mind, but it's like I almost prioritize it as if it is, just because I'm like wrapped up in it, and then sometimes I can miss my friends. Like it's not easy trying to make spending time with them a priority even though I try to, it's, it just, it's like, it's just one of my genuine fears that like, I'm, I'm like 
so busy, but I don't want to make that an excuse to not see them. And then, but then, before you know it, two, three months pass by, and then, and then I look in hindsight and think, wow, I've, you know, not that I blew it, but you know, I just, where did the time go? And I can't believe this. I didn't make more of an effort to see my friends and such. And not that there's any like fault to that per se, you know, because I think there's a lesson to be learned in it, but it's so easy to lose sight. And I think that's, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's what you're, you are also commenting on. Is like it's, it's so easy to lose sight of what's worth it or what's valuable because that other thing is, you know, capturing our attention. Yeah, and when you and I find ourselves in that place, I think um, we turn back to Christ. Yeah. To his model that, you know, to not forget. Mm-hmm why Christ came and what Christ calls us to do mm. and how Christ calls us to live and for 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 what reason, right? Mm. So, yeah, I guess it's about finding Christ in those moments, right? you know? You know, because I think a lot of times we like to kind of just make it very black and white, mm. but it's not like that. And it's, a, it's more complex, but I think, I think returning back to to what Christ says is the other thing the yeah. second thing look around is so simple and return to Christ mm. you know so and he will remind us his word and his example his presence will remind us of once again like how we're meant to live for fullness. Mm-hmm. I guess it brings us to the question of really examining what our life is about. And, you know, I mean, I, I say that because I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I do. Like, I could lose all the external stuff in my life, but I... I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I know at the end of the day I have my relationships and I have people that love me and I love and that had nothing to do with anything that I've accomplished or didn't accomplish or and such like that. And that that is, t- to me, infinitely more valuable or worth making my life about than m- me doing me or like me doing my things or like the things that I want to do per se because my i've only i only am the way i am because of these relationships or i am the way i am where i i want to become who i want to become because of how how great and how beautiful my relationships with people are and you know if i lose sight of that and if i if i don't take a look around and remember that or come back to what started all that for me which is christ then you know that that could that kind of is unnerving for me and i think like i don't ever want to forget how and i say that you know i say that a lot like i don't ever want to forget things but like i really don't like want to miss that 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 my life is bigger than just me yeah yeah which also i think the call to be like christ and to serve and to lead mm-hmm. is not 
just for the insular world that we live in. Yeah. But is for the people we don't know yet. Yeah. It is for the people in the workplaces to serve them. Mm -hmm. To serve, you know. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. In whatever sphere of influence you are in. We have the um, privilege of serving like Christ wherever. Mm -hmm. Wherever. So... Yeah, it is to um, it is about the relationships, but that's the beautiful thing about living for Christ is that this, you know, like we just had a social studies study, uh, social studies test for Josh, mm-hmm. and you know, you know what a lake is, you know what a river is, you know what an ocean is, but you don't really think about these technical definitions mm-hmm. of God's creation, right? Yeah, and uh, we're memorizing these things, and you know, this is something that i was like thinking about if i actually memorized this way i would have probably done much better in in school when i was younger but a lake by definition is a body of water surrounded by land Mm -hmm. which makes sense right all the lakes um a river is a large body of water that empties out into the ocean Mm -hmm. and the ocean is the massive body of water that surrounds the continents of the world, right. which is also the most, um, uh, it's very special because it's actually salt water, yeah. the only salt water, right? Mm-hmm. And I also found it so interesting that the river, which is not salty, mm-hmm. flows, empties out into the ocean and it becomes this massive salt water around the earth, right? Yeah. But, I was thinking about that because I think oftentimes, you know, we buy our lake cows and we're good and, you know, we get our friends to buy a lake house mm. and we surround ourselves in this lake community. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is life. What This is great, right? Mm. But I think God's always taking us from the lake to the river. And he says, the river flows to a bigger purpose, you mm-hmm. know? We're not meant to be ins- insular, but we're meant to empty out into the greater ocean. Mm-hmm. We're meant to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. And it's significant because, I mean, also salt, right? Because ocean right. water oh, is yeah. very salty. Mm-hmm. So through relationships, um, we also have to think about without the ambition of, success or i want to be effective so i'm gonna do all these things and you know like check off my list no but through genuine example and following the ways of christ Mm -hmm. and the message of christ which is essentially important to our faith um we take it out into out of our comfort zone and to you know, the world outside of us. I think that's like the other point. It's not, we're getting outside of us so that it's no longer about us so that it, we make it about other people. And then it doesn't just stop at us building our own community, but the community extends. And that was like the beautiful thing about, um, the people in my, my life that, um, you know, that I got to, you know, celebrate with. Um, is that 
these people once i was like looking around some some people like okay so when i say celebrate like you know receiving cards from mm -hmm. and celebration but i was looking at cards i'm like wow this person two years ago did not know christ but he is like my brother in christ mm -hmm. and i would have never expected that yeah You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's about an expansion of not our own empire mm. or our own community, but it's about the expansion of God's kingdom. Right. Nationally, globally. Yeah. So it is about using whatever, um, I don't know, they don't call it medium anymore, but whatever means we have to maximize God's love. Mm. You know? Yeah. So the call is great. It is not a call to small yeah. or smaller. It's not a message about downsizing, yeah. but it's about recognizing, um, reflecting and recognizing who we live for. Mm -hmm. Well, God calls us, Christ calls us to go. So I think when we are no longer living for the ambition of um, ourselves, the whole world opens up an opportunity mm. um, for a relationship. Mm. And though we might not have control over those things, but I think more than ever before, we do have that opportunity now that whatever we put out, however we live, how we represent, how we give, how we steward um, the things that have been given to us, how how faithful we are to the people in our lives to our husbands to why uh, husbands to wives wives to husbands it displays the love of christ mm. and the servanthood mm. so it is so broad how we live for christ you know yeah. it's true so i guess that's the point i want to make it's mm. not about us crossing out our list of what i need to accomplish but to really reflect and to surrender those goals to christ and to live for the relationships mm. and to grow life capacity and heart capacity through relationship right because like you said um these things don't happen in a vacuum yeah so yeah i mean because i'm just drawing the connection that jesus came not just for the 12 but he really came and influenced so many people along his path it wasn't he added value wherever he went it wasn't just a select group of people right even though that did happen as like a byproduct yes and know. the disciples actually carried the message yeah to way out of their comfort zones right, right so there is a service to the public there is a service to um our world and we might we might not necessarily wear the uniforms for it but we serve the people around us in this mm. same globe, that's, you know, same world. Right. That's a worthy ambition. Yeah. Have. Worthiest. Because yeah. we get to spread the fragrance of Christ. That's what it means. Mm. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> those are great thoughts. I was thinking about all these uh, Korean dramas. Mm. It's not just Korean, but like very, very prevalent in Korean dramas about two different statuses, you know, cannot marry. 
and the oh, heartbreak yeah. that's caused because parents will not allow it because of the status difference. Yeah. Because one is like CEO's daughter, the other one is a faithful store owner, or mm. like the other one is, you know, educated professor, mm. you know, and the other one is, um, I don't know, something different. Yeah, from like a rural area or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like or maybe like a baker or like a farmer mm, yeah, or yeah. urban farmer. You know, like there's stories of heartbreak because status, two different status, you know, cannot mix. Mm. But I think, you know, oftentimes like even Christians do that. Mm. And I think... As Christians, it's like really important for us to reflect not just these titles and status and what um, our parents have achieved or how, you know, more than intellect. I think Sam said this, more than intellect. It, intellect can be very toxic. Mm-hmm. Like honoring intellect could be so toxic. Um, you know, we have to kind of like you know, I think we have to kind of get rid of this cultural, you know, these cultural barriers to meaningful relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't have to explain much about that because I think people struggle with that, you know, and it's like a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we could see each other the way that God sees and honors people and loved each other and grew in relationship, not on this merit-based way, but just because you and I are made in the image of God, right? Yeah. Think about all the great relationships that would form and friendships that would form. And if you think about it, the church is a place where you you are friends with people that you never thought you would be friends with. Always. (laughs) And people get, you know, like there's so many couples that have gotten married that never expected to be in relationship with someone, you know, like people that are so different really united by christ you know yeah people get married and have great relationships so i think it doesn't just keep us you know if we think in terms of like these selfish ambitions and worldly accolades and all these ways like it doesn't just rob us of relationship it robs us of the future Mm. of what a great future we can have so and actually, people, I think, miss out on benefits of mm. that joy compounded in the future because of certain things we were taught to um, re- uh, revere or esteem so much the fact that it makes us lose out on the genuine friendships and relationships that can be established. Mm. So I think... God is calling us to reflect on these things, to be freed of all these things, because these things hurt each other. Mm. And yeah. So I was just thinking about that, like, wow, the heartache of Korean dramas. But <laughs> I always I always used to think Korean dramas are so drama, can't be real. But as I grew up, I saw, oh, okay, dramas are real because it's real. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's just a reflection of how human beings are. Yeah. So... 
Yeah. What if we were to live Christ's way? You know, what if we were to see Christ's way and serve each other in Christ's way? I don't think any of these things would matter at all. Mm. You know, people would be friends and all sorts mm. because people will see each other the way they're meant to be seen. Yeah. So, you know, as we wrap up, um, I want to turn our attention to um, just really practically coming to a place of reflection and re-examination about not just ambition itself, but the dark side of it and how that may be affecting um, your heart, your life, your trajectory and relationship. Um, with and seeking Christ. So, yeah, those are the thoughts, I guess, I want to leave people with. And as outrageous it is in the times that we're living in um, and the ridiculous things that we hear sometimes from our own president in his own envy of, you know, Kim Jong-un's power, (laughs) his dictatorship, about how he kept the power, he must be a great leader. Um, Frightening and saddening, but to know that, um, you know, there's a segment that Dr. Sammy leads us in as he talks to the congregation and leads in prayer in the most explicit example of what non-servant leadership looks like versus um, an image of, a celebrity, a reality TV star gained power, you know, um, totally in lost, who lost touch with reality and what true service is about. So yeah, I want to just, um, just set, set that context up, I guess, and bring your attention to that and to pray together and to close with us in prayer of the ministry time. So tune into that. Thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Livia. Thank you, Joe. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, if you're in New York, feel free to join us for our Thanksgiving potluck this coming Saturday at NYU. Uh, more details to follow. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. You know, this is what the great divorce is about. And I want to make it uh, a personal invite to join me and my wife to watch The Great Divorce. It's about becoming. And C.S. Lewis's definition of heaven and hell is not more of a destination, but rather a direction. Because hell is as much as a direction as it is a destination. It's about who you're becoming as people, as a person. If, If all you are really inside, is a dictator and diva and you wanted your way, or every, everybody can go the highway. How can you have genuine relationships with anyone? A spouse, a friend, family, you can't. And if you can't own your own faults, and apologize and reconcile, and you're in denial that you're right all the time, how can you taste heaven? You can't. The Great Divorce is about becoming a person of substance. 
Because the greatest curse of our age is the curse of intelligence. Intelligence has many sides of blessing, but also has a curse. It also can make us shallow. And really, in 20, 30 years, even if you have achieved all the things that you wanted out to, and you lose your soul, and all the relationships that mattered most, you would have failed in life, even if you have succeeded in everything else. The gospel saves us from this. To move away from me-centeredness and to move to other-centeredness. So when you lift your hands today and pray, God, I want to become like you. Jesus, I want to become like you, who had all the power, but chose to use it for good. Not to lift yourself up, but to encourage others, to love others. You know, one time, this is, I think, funny to me, but probably tragic, really, where, where Trump complimented Kim Jong-un <laughs> and said, well, you know, it takes a good leader to keep power in that country, you know. If only, they only treated me, you know, praised me like they did in North Korea. He actually, and I, I couldn't believe what he said. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to really see a reflection of your own little dictator, that's where you can go, North Korea. Where you're right and everyone is wrong, and it doesn't matter how many people starve or struggle with illness, long as you're happy. And, and I'm sorry, that it's just some people don't care they're moving in a direction where that's, that's going to be their end. Everybody else is wrong, and I'm right. A mini dictator. And there's a real place called North Korea that you can go to if you want to be a little dictator. You know, the whole point of the idea of democracy in our country in a critical moment is that, you know, the president has to be kept accountable. Whether, whatever your political views on that is, we don't have kings in this country. Even at the White House, every single president, they have people that help them, they still got to pay for their groceries. A bill actually comes to your house. You got to pay for that flaming young. There are no kings. So, today, the king of kings, folks, as we move into Christmas, surrendered his power, washed his disciples' feet and served those who are the least of these and showed us a picture of what it mean, means to be beautiful, a goal of who to become like. Don't become like any leaders. Don't look up to any leaders. They're all human. Jesus says, everyone who has come before me are thieves and robbers. Yeah, compared to him, everybody is screwed up. So let's look to Jesus as our model. Amen? Let me pray for us and as we close. Father, there's a lot of work that has to happen in us who are living in 
perhaps still the greatest city in the world. The competition is stiff. The pressures are alarming. Lord, help us not lose our souls. Help us not to just barely make it out either. Help us to thrive inside as outside. But first, a foundation about our characters and values set right to become people who serve others, not self-centered, but other-centered, like Jesus. Who will use our influence for good and not just for self. Change us, O God. Have mercy. Help us to become people that our kids can be proud of and the world can be proud of. Not for the amazing things we accomplish externally, but who we become inside. Men and women of faithfulness and honor. Like you, Lord. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. You are invited to a Thanksgiving potluck also being held at NYU Grand Hall, 238 Thompson Street, 5th floor at 6 p.m. It is a potluck event and it is held by um, 180 Church. And if you would like to bring something, please email B-I-L-L-Y-K-I-M dot 180 at gmail.com for more information on the event or um, perhaps a list of what you can bring and what is needed for the event. So you're welcome. Please come. It's such a great event um, to eat together and to get to know each other and to close out the month of um, November together in Thanksgiving. So please come. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 